I'm over replays. They're not going to work. Why Why even do them? You're wasting our time at this point. Christian Gokel alongside P.J. Zuko here on second down. Really happy to have you alongside. It may not sound like it. It's not a little snarky coming in, but you know. <laughs> When you have all the slow motion cameras in the world and you're the, the highest form of your sport and you have like a, a control room where people are reviewing this and you still get it wrong, what's the point? Braves fall to the Yankees 5-4 to four last night. Freddie Freeman, quote unquote, thrown out at the plate early in the game where he was pretty clearly safe. So now we've seen multiple times in multiple sports where everyone in the world knows that the call should go one way, but the officials decide to back the other officials and keep the call the same way. I don't think anybody gets a worse rap, and probably for good reason, than baseball umpires, because there's some bad ones, like especially with the balls and strikes, like for sure, like incredibly bad. But like there's there's some bad ones there, but you don't get a second and third and fourth chance to call those. To yeah, me. on balls and strikes, you don't know. Like, I, can, I can understand that. You know, but I, I get that. Yeah, but still, like with the stuff where it's slow motion and you got the glove going down towards the guy, you see it's clearly not on him, and his foot's on the base, and you're like, I don't know. I feel like one fiber from that glove may have brushed against one hair uh, <laughs> from his arm. So yeah, that's an out. Is that the way this works? No, I mean, yeah, no, it's it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Like you said, I. I'm an advocate for for instant replay in sports, no doubt. Like, I, I will battle with people. I'm an, I'm an advocate for the the premise of replays in sports. Right, if you get it right. But, I mean, that's the thing. You, you got it. Like, why do we stop the game? Why do we take this time to figure it out? It's so that we can get it right. And, again, like, like you said, it's, it's amazing that literally the entire world can can look at those replays like last night's and say that's incredibly obvious it's incredibly obvious obvious that that that's safe and you know however many guys are are sitting in the room looking at the replay agree with you know the the, the people at the field and my only thought process when it comes to that is possibly yeah, there you go. I mean, foot pretty clearly on the bag. Oh, hold on. You know, no, I got you. internet buffer. Uh, po- you know? Possibly for whatever reason, the guys in, in the replay booth making that decision, calling it back to the field, don't have I, I w- the intestinal fortitude to say, yeah, okay, overturn this. Oh, this you is the best. Oh, this, this is a little too close to call. We're not going to overturn it then what's the point? Like, the, why we have replay is because it's too close to call for us, you know, uh, normally viewing the game. Like, overturn it. it, it, it the, the undisputable evidence and, and everything like that, I, I think uh, you talk about college football and, and NFL, you have that terminology and you hear it every single game and every single replay. That's the reason, though, that, that we have these replays is, is to take those calls right. that you are kind of uncomfortable and then you don't really want to overturn and overturn them because what you're seeing in front of you 
is right is correct. Well, I just I think that's so much of like a, a brotherhood thing where they're trying to protect other officials, and they're like, oh, well, we don't want our guys to seem like they, they got it wrong. It's like, well, no, you should be there as a, a fail safe, as a backup. Like I would feel more comfortable, like calling these close plays if I knew, like, hey, if we need to, we can go back take a look. Somebody else will be able to slow this down. Like, I get it; it's going thousand miles an hour, but I mean, For when sure. you're when you're the Braves. And every game matters, and every run matters in a game like this. You lost this game by one run. Yeah. And, and that's, so, like, and so that's I think it, you can you can literally say, Major League Baseball cost the Braves a game. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it, they 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 lost them the the possibility of extending the game and and going on and winning it for sure. And again, this picture, the best part of the picture uh, that we're looking at, you can find it on Twitter. Is it was shot from someone's cell phone. Yeah. From like 380 feet away. Yeah. No, from from like the upper decks apparently. And so again, yeah. you are the premier. There, there's nothing higher than you in your sport. You're as big as it gets. Okay. And you don't have the camera angles or ability to call this stuff. Like, I think if there had to be like four locations in baseball that you would need the camera to be able to see everything, like pylon cam right. in football, yeah. is – Home plate, first, second, and third base. Yep. And, and, and if not you needed just, them anywhere. Yeah, and not just one angle of each of those. I mean, you, you gotta have you gotta have a few different ones. I mean, like, the Astros had a better camera system apparently when they were cheating <laughs> exactly. than you do as Major League Baseball to officiate your games. And it blows my mind that we're still running into that situation of well, we if if that was the case here, if they truly didn't have an angle like this one, that. You know, I, I know of all the TV broadcasts I saw last <laughs> night, none of them were this clear. I know we're in radio production and, and whatnot and not necessarily TV, television, but I feel like there, there's a way you can get these angles. Like that there's, there's, there's enough money. Oh, floating, there is. There, there's enough money floating around where you could get a, an extra camera or two uh, at each stadium so that you have this possibility. It's, it's laughable. Well, just, it kills me. Like in college, it's certainly in high school, but in college – I get it if you miss a call, right? I get it. Not everyone in the Sun Belt is going to have the same level of replay replayability as someone in, I don't know, SEC, right? You just don't have the same cameras on hand during those games for them to review. And I actually, I don't know. I'd be interested to see what the rules are for what officials can use. Uh, I think they, they're allowed to use the TV shots to go right. back and watch but i don't think they have like a central hub like you do in a lot of professional sports where it's like hey we're gonna go back to new york and check this so you literally have a base of operations where their entire job is to slow video down and get the call right and they're still getting it wrong yeah like and again i the only the only thought i can have because i am assuming they all can see what we're seeing the only logical explanation is they don't want the number of overturned calls to get high because then people start questioning umpires more and more and more. And so at the end of the year, we can have the outcry about this for the next 24 hours, but at the end of the year, it's going to go in as a we got it right call. Yeah. I think in every professional sport, you need an independent organization that's not a part of the officials, that's part of Major League Baseball, and even if you want to, make it a group that judges the officials and they need to be in charge. I think when you tie this in and you have a bunch of officials working with officials, they're going to back their officials when they when they want to. Yeah. I can see that. I can see that. I I, th I think 
I think if that's true, which it very much could be and, and probably is, is, I don't know, it's, it's laughable to me, but I get it. You know, it's, it's laughable to me, but I understand why they would be doing that, try, trying to protect, you know, their guys, quote-unquote. But Oh, if it's close, it's all, they're always – that's what they say is, oh, well, there's yeah. no definitive evidence, so we can't overturn it. That's why, again, like, um, not to – that's why we have the replay in the first place because we're, we're trying to figure it out, and, and, you know, we didn't have definitive evidence on the field. It's right. probably going to be – it's probably going to be a little close even still with the replay, but make the call. Like, that, that's why we have you here. Um, anyway, I, to, to me, it's crazy that it, it goes to the point of, like you're saying, you, you don't want to get that overturn rate higher because then people start questioning and whatever. Oh, they're already but, questioning. I mean, like now we have like Twitter. I mean, you now have, you're questioning more because they didn't call the right thing on the replay. Sure. Well, you have like the pitching ninja on uh, on Twitter who ton of people follow him uh but he's do, he does like the overlays with the pitching but he also he'll roast some umpires but now one of my favorite accounts to follow on twitter is the umpire scorecards yeah where they break down the they have the zone they have the strike zone and they break down the percentage of calls they got correct where they're calling balls and strikes and then they like put out the three biggest pitches of the game and whether or not they got those right or wrong yeah. and they'll put like the three most egregious ones <laughs> And it's it's bad. Yeah, I gotta follow that account. Uh, oh yeah, no, it's uh, I, I found it. I found it at the beginning of the season. I was like, this is amazing because I watch any baseball fan does. You watch the game and you're like, that dude cost us like three or four outs. Yeah. Because he's calling pitches that are clearly off the plate strikes. Right. Right. Or like, hey, we maybe got lucky there because uh, that that seemed like it was a little outside, but they called it a strike and we got out of it. So uh, I, I do think that's the one argument a lot of like the purest baseball fans use is like, oh, it evens out. It evens out. You know, like, you're going to get some calls. They're going to get some calls. As long as the umpire's strike zone is consistent, right? If it's consistently wide or they're calling the same pitch. Again, high school, college, middle school, fine. When you're at the pinnacle of the sport and people are getting paid half a billion dollars to play your sport, I think you can invest in something that's a little bit more consistent than a dude whose strike zone you just kind of cater to, and it's going to be different on a nightly basis. That's where I'm at with that. I know that ticks off a lot of baseball fans, but it is what it is. Uh, I, I'm, I'm over it. I've seen it so many times, not just with the, the balls and strikes, but like we saw last night, Freddie Freeman clearly being safe. I mean, look, you could see the dude's face <laughs> is like four feet away yeah. from the catcher's butt and Freddie Freeman's butt and the glove of the catcher. Like, yeah. Gary Sanchez's glove is about a foot away from Freddie Freeman, and Freddie Freeman's foot is on the bag. How'd you miss that, guys? Yeah, that's rough. How'd you miss that? We that got more to come here, bad. though, on second down. We've got some college football news to dive into and a lot of NFL news to dive into as well. And maybe we may have discovered what's the best job just in the history of the universe. We'll dive into all that when we come back next right here on second down. Second Down on ESPN Radio is presented to you by the Uniform Source. Christian Gokel, glad to have you hanging out with us here on ESPN Radio. So much more to dive into on the show today. Big show coming up today on 3 and Out. The guys will be joined by Ben Ingram of the Braves Radio Network. Braves still undefeated on the road since the guys were allowed to get back out and follow them. I know last year in a vast majority of this season having to call the games uh, back from Truist Park when the Braves went out uh, and 
played on the road. So really excited to have Ben Ingerman. We'll talk to him about that. Uh, we'll talk to him about what was a, a tough series, but one, again, you feel like you could have won uh, at least one of those games against the Yankees and still 10 games over 500. Didn't lose any ground in the NL East last night because both the Yankees and – or excuse me, the Yankees, the Mets and the Phillies both lose. So you still have a four-and-a-half game lead in the NL East right now. So catch up with Ben Ingram about that. Also, Chris Burnett, former Georgia offensive lineman, going to join us in the 5 o'clock hour. Uh, talk about that big matchup. It's almost game week for Georgia and Clemson. So we'll talk to Chris Burnett about that. Uh, so much more to get to here on ESPN Radio, but as I mentioned going into the previous segment, PJ Zuko uh, had to step away. He'll be back with us soon. I think we may have discovered what the best job in the history of the universe is, and listen, you get paid millions of dollars, you don't have a ton of responsibility, and basically your work week is Monday through Friday, but uh pretty laxed once you get towards the end of the week bosses aren't on you a ton and there's a guy in front of you who really all the pressure falls on him and basically so long as you're there in the meetings with him uh, and you're there supportive and you're you're clapping him on the back when he gets done doing his job you're gonna get paid then your teammates are gonna love you you actually don't even have to do a job you used to have to we're talking about the backup quarterback position for the Atlanta Falcons, and the job they don't have to do anymore is they don't have to hold anymore because it's become the new wave to have the punters go ahead uh, and hold. Why is it the backup quarterback for the Atlanta Falcons? Well, it's because Matt Ryan's been here since 2008, and out of 208 games that Matt Ryan should have started, he started in two th- 205 of them. So he's only missed three starts in his career. Uh, He missed two back in 2009. uh, And then in 2019, if the Falcons had been good, I feel like he plays in that game, but the Falcons were bad, uh, and he missed one game back in 2019. Every other season, 16 out of 16 for Matt Ryan. So think about that. You're the backup quarterback for the Atlanta Falcons that whole time. That's 208 games. You just have to worry about three of them. And obviously, you have to be ready in case Matt goes down. But at what point are you like, this guy, Kyle Ripken out there, showing up every single day. And again, you get to collect those paychecks. You get to wear the headset on the sideline. Uh, you get to look good, hold a clipboard. And you get to slap Matt on the back when he comes to the sideline. And no pressure falls on you. It's all Matt Ryan's fault. No one's clamoring uh, for your job to be replaced when uh, Matt Ryan throws an interception. They're not clamoring to take Justin Fields to replace you. You're just the backup, man. I mean, Matt Schaub did it for a bunch of years. Uh, what, TJ was TJ Yates there uh, for a little while as well? Now it looks like it could be Felipe Franks. A lot of people thought it was going to be A.J. McCarron, uh, but he goes down uh, with a knee injury. It looks like he's going to be done for the season. So the Falcons have taken a flyer on former first-round pick Josh Rosen, who's bounced around the league Uh, since playing with Arizona. Remember, Arizona drafted him in the first round, and then the very next year went and got Kyler Murray uh, to replace him. And since then, Josh Rosen's bounced around. He had a cup of coffee down in Tampa, uh, I think last seen with the 49ers. So really been bouncing around the league. Now he's with the Atlanta Falcons. So your quarterback depth chart is Matt Ryan, Felipe Franks, and Josh Rosen. I know Felipe Franks has got a lot of really good reviews coming out of camp. But I don't know if you're ready to turn the ball over to Felipe Franks if something does happen to Matt. 
So a lot of people, I think, thought they were going to go out and get a proven veteran, just somebody who can execute the offense. But we've seen Arthur Smith in the past do these kind of reclamation projects on quarterbacks. Remember Ryan Tannehill played in Miami. Uh, there were so many things wrong with the Miami Dolphins that weren't Ryan Tannehill because he was a quarterback. Everything fell on him. Takes him to Tennessee, and all of a sudden you're playing in AFC Championship games. And Ryan Tannehill's getting a new contract and throwing for thousands upon thousands of yards. Uh, and I think a lot of people consider him a top 15 at least quarterback in the NFL, which who would have thought that? So I think Arthur Smith's looking at Josh Rosen as a guy who has a ton of talent, and I think he's looking at him the same way he looks at this Falcons offense, which is why I feel like he decided to roll with Matt Ryan instead of trying to rebuild with Justin Fields is. He looks at this as something where I'm better at this than the people who have tried to do this before. I'm better than Dirk Cutter at calling plays for Matt Ryan, right? I could get more out of Matt Ryan than what these previous OCs, maybe outside of Kyle Shanahan, but I can I can get more out of Matt Ryan than what a lot of these previous offensive coordinators were able to get out of him. I feel like he's saying the same thing with Josh Rosen. I could get more out of Josh Rosen than Cliff Kingsbury could. Right, I, I'm a, I do better with quarterbacks in the NFL than most other people. I, I can make this work, which I love that personality trait, uh, especially in my NFL head coach. I, I'm, I'm smarter, and I can do this better. I don't want someone going into the game going, Phew. that guy on the other sideline, he sure knows a lot more about football than I do. I'm just kind of grateful to be here on the field today. It's going to be rough, guys. They're, they're, they're already out in front of us. No, I, I like the fact that Arthur Smith believes in himself that much. I know we talked about this on 3 and Out a little bit earlier in the week, uh, the audio that the Falcons released when Arthur Smith was mic'd up, getting after it. There's no coach bro. There's no slapping people on the back. There's no uh, the thing from the Ma- the Mike Smith era was the 30 and up club where, listen, if you're if you're over 30, you don't have to worry about practice too much, right? It, it just It is what it is. You, you show up, you've been in the league long enough, you know what you're doing. I think we have that Arthur Smith audio. I want to play that because – Again, just such a different vibe from Arthur Smith. Again, this is courtesy of the Atlanta Falcons. Arthur Smith mic'd up with the Atlanta Falcons at practice. Too damn lethargic. Let's look at the ball, get five in the huddle with the quarterback, and let's go. Pay attention. we got 700 people here to help you. Know the personnel going into the next play. Have five ready. Hammer it. Come off the ball and throttle somebody. Next play. Wasting time. Hey, turn it up, D. Get out of the way, Russ. Where are your rip pads, Russ? If you're going to go in there, block those. You better get your rip pads. Next play. We're going to see if you can play pro football. Next play. Next play. Hey, we got two yards. Congratulations. Get back in the huddle. We got two yards, and we're going to. You're throwing a party. That's your expectation. There it is. There it is. I didn't know if he was really at fault. I just saw him get throttled him. I love that. That that makes me happy. Hearing that from an Atlanta Falcons coach so many times we have talked about this. What's been the biggest thing with the Falcons? It hasn't been, oh, you need another receiver for Julio Jones. It hasn't been, oh, we need a left guard. It hasn't been, we need a pass rusher. It's, where's the toughness from this team? When was the last time you saw the Atlanta Falcons come out of a game and you were like, they're the tougher team? They can out-scheme you. Obviously, they've been able to out-talent some people uh, in the past, but how many times have you come out of a game and you were like, the Atlanta Falcons took it to that team? 
I'll say this for the Jacksonville Jaguars. People like to make fun of the Jaguars. Uh, I saw a great meme today. This was basically a uh, personal injury attorney is questioning. He's like, you, you could be entitled to uh, a little bit of money if you've been a Jaguars fan your entire life just because of the emotional distress they've caused you. But the Jacksonville Jaguars have had seasons where people were afraid to play them. And I say that with all seriousness. Yeah, you had Blake Bortles as your quarterback, but look at that defense. You had Calais Campbell uh, leading that defensive line. You had Jalen Ramsey in the secondary. You had all kinds of high, uh, just power hitters in the linebacking court and playing safety, right? Barry Church playing safety. Like You had dudes who would come up and smack you in the mouth. When was the last time the Atlanta Falcons just had that kind of level of respect in terms of toughness, in terms of physicality? I don't know that they ever have which is stunning to say. You've had elite offenses, and you've had good defenses. You've had serviceable defenses, defenses that can make a stop. When was the last time, offensively or defensively, you were like, that team is physical? I think the closest you could talk about is the beginning of Matt Ryan's career when you have Michael Turner and Roddy White uh, outside and Tony Gonzalez. They pound the football. I mean, Michael Turner was getting some yards on the ground, but again, defensively, not a whole lot going on. But yeah, you had John Abraham, Jonathan Babineau. Outside of that, not a whole lot going on on that side of the ball. So I'm really excited about Arthur Smith this season. I think that's one thing we just keep passing over. And a lot of our judgments on the Atlanta Falcons come from previous conceptions around previous coaches. And so the slow starts, blowing leads, all that I know we're still applying in our minds to the Atlanta Falcons. And for me, still until I see it, I'm going to apply they're not as tough as other teams. But I think we keep missing the fact that they do have a new head coach. They do have a new GM and Terry Fontenot, right? Dean Pease is calling plays for this defense and installing a defensive identity for the Atlanta Falcons. I think that's a big deal going into 2021 and a storyline we have to keep an eye out on. We got more to come here on second down, though. We got some more NFL news to dive into and also a lot of college football news to dive into as well. More to come here on second down after this. Second down on ESPN Radio is presented to you by the Uniform Source. Christian Gokel, glad to have you hanging out alongside PJ Zuko. Chris Collinsworth sliding into the chair beside me as this segment begins. PJ, we got some college football news to dive into. Also, a lot of NFL news, some headlines to dive into. But I want to give you a stat of the day. Are you Oh man. Are you in a good mental place for a stat of the day right now? I don't know if I'm ever in a good mental place, but I'm ready to go. I'm That's ready to hear it. completely fair. All right. Are you aware who Nolan Ryan is? I've heard of him. All-time legendary pitcher. Yeah. Dude, throw like 140 pitches in a complete game. It's pretty hard. No problem. Then he'd, then he'd beat you up if you charged the mound, right? Yeah, 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 for one sure. Of, one of the all-time greats. Here's a stat of the day for you. This is from Super 70 Sports on Twitter. Nolan Ryan's ERA was 3.09 the year the White Album came out. The Beatles. Another great? Yeah, I mean, legendary album. Yeah. His ERA was 2.91 the year Nirvana released Nevermind. Okay. You talk about some consistency. <laughs> Insane. And I, I just went and looked just to just for giggles. Goodness uh, gracious. At some of Tom Brady's stats. 
from early in his career and actually didn't throw for more than 30 touchdowns until 2007 where he threw for 50. Uh, but The Randy Moss effect. Yes, but no. it, in 2000, I think also I'd say, was it, yeah, Charlie Weiss, the Charlie Weiss effect? Yeah, back in, uh, yeah, yeah, that's right, yeah. Just slinging that old rock around. Absolutely. Uh, 2002, do you care to guess which band had the number one song during that time? Oh, man. Um, Billboard I, Top 100, this? number one song in 2002. Was this, I know around this time, like, well, I don't know if it, this was a comeback or not. Like, I, around this time, like, Oh, man. I, I'm trying to think because you have a lot of bands, that obviously, that were popular with, like, the younger this crowd. This is how you but, remind me. Was Creed? No. Nickelback. <laughs> I appreciate the effort there. It's the same It's the same voice. When people sing Nickelback and Creed, it's the it's, same voice. I'm, I'm sorry. It's it's close. No, I Nic- didn't let you sing enough. N- Nickelback had the number one song of 2002, the year uh, Tom Brady first threw for more than 20 touchdown passes. Flash forward to now. You know, fast fast forward to now, PJ. All I'm saying is for everyone who wants to make fun of Nickelback or whatever and how terrible they are, they have the number one song in America in 2002. Yeah, I don't think Nickelback cares about people making fun of them. All like, I'm saying is someone had to like they, them, right? They can't, they can't hear your complaints over all that money. So that's that's where Nickelback's back with that. But, no, so 2002 when Tom Brady first threw for over 20 touchdown passes, Nickelback, number one song on the radio. Yep, yep. Fast forward to now. Crazy. Last year, Tom Brady thrown for 40 touchdowns in 2020. Yeah, 40 touchdowns in 2020. and So what, what would we say, like Olivia Rodrigo's driver's license? So yeah. you went from Nickelback to Olivia Rodrigo. I was going to say, now we don't play bands on the radio anymore. So rock music's kind of right. gone. PJ getting uh, very good off my lawn this year. You're sitting in Kevin's chair. I mean, that's, what, that's what happens. But we have some... We have some football headlines to dive into. I want to go through these quickly here. Uh, Haynes King, I think a lot of people expected this, but Haynes King announced uh, as the starter uh, from ESPN radio affiliate out in Texas, uh, Jimbo Fisher joining them. Saying Haynes King is going to be our guy going forward. So you have that. I know there's a few people think they might rock with the freshman out there, but they're going with Haynes King. Pac-12, uh, I thought this was a pretty interesting announcement from them. Uh, George uh, Klykoff, who is their – new-ish commissioner saying, quote, we'll announce a decision on whether or not we're going to be looking at expansion before the end of this week. That decision has been run on a parallel path to the conversations with Big Ten Commissioner Kevin Warren and ACC Commissioner Jim Phillips in the Big Ten and the ACC. Uh, I think if I had to read into that, they're not going to be expanding. Maybe they, yeah. were think- maybe they were thinking about it before this alliance came out, but I think they, this is the group in the alliance of the status quo. This is the group and alliance that want to keep college football and college athletics as, quote-unquote, normal as possible. So I would not expect the Pac-12 to announce that they are going to be looking to add teams. Uh, this one I thought was interesting from Ohio State. They announced that every student, faculty, and staff member will be required to be vaccinated against COVID-19. The university is taking this step because vaccines are the safest and, quote, most effective form of protection against COVID-19. So that coming out of Ohio State, uh, kind of on the flip side of that statement, and we saw yesterday LSU saying that you would either have to provide proof of vaccination or a negative COVID test to get into Tiger Stadium. Sanford Stadium will require 
or not require mask, proof of vaccination, or a negative COVID test. So a lot of people saying a, a return to normal for Sanford Stadium there. So as we're getting closer to college football, you're seeing a lot of these plans finalized. I know most leagues now have said if your team has to forfeit a game, that's a loss. Mm-hmm. Because they have you have too many COVID cases, that's a loss. Right. It's not a cancellation. It's not a we'll postpone and replay it. It's a loss in your in, in the, your L column and a W in the other team's column. So, I mean, I think it's interesting. So, a, as we're getting closer, we're seeing a lot of this stuff get finalized. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, at, at least at least we're th- seeing things get announced and, and finalized. And uh, whether you uh, agree with the rules or, or disagree with, with what's going on now, at least you have everything out in front of you. And, um, you know, to, to the point of what you're saying with, like you said, with the leagues saying – all right, if we have to move a game, if we have, no, we're not going to move games. If we have to cancel one because especially of these issues, then, sorry, it's just going to be a loss. I, I think that's, uh, you know what, a good point. I think that's kind of them saying we can't do everything yep. we did last year. And there are, uh, whether you agree with it or not, again, there are there are avenues around, like we've, we've provided safe ways for you to go about your life and uh, safe ways to, to kind of steps to take to make yep. sure you don't get well, this. I wonder how many rules we're going to see we are going to see change now because it's not a coincidence at all that you see these rules get put into place after the FDA approved the Pfizer vaccine. Right, like it, it's not a coincidence at all that Ohio State. I mean, it's in the name; it's a, a public school. Ohio State yeah. mandates this. Uh, LSU, same thing. It's Louisiana State. It's not. There's no secret. It's the FDA, the federal government, approved the Pfizer vaccine. It's not on a emergency approval anymore. It's federally approved. And so for all the people out there who are saying, well, we, we want to wait until it actually gets cleared, not the emergency clearance. We want to wait until the FDA actually approves it. All the schools now can there, – there is no legal literature in front of them saying you can't do this because it's an emergency approval. No, now it's cleared, yep. just like – any other medication, it is cleared. And so now legally, specifically these public schools are allowed to do, I think private schools for the most part are too. It's just it won't be at a state level. It's school-by-school basis. But now the states, I mean, I think Louisiana just announced that it's not just going to games. I think they're going to require the COVID-19 vaccination for anyone going to a public university in Louisiana as we try to curb the tide of this Delta variant uh, inside of our country, which – in the southern states, which obviously we're in and which we cover for the most part, mm-hmm. we're seeing a huge uptick uh, right now uh, in COVID-19 cases. I know in Savannah, uh, Mayor Van Johnson shutting down any public application for an event. And I think going all the way through, I want to say the 20th of September, I'm not entirely sure, but late into September, any permits that had already been approved, they've canceled those. And now we've seen multiple school systems around our area shut down on that as well. I mean, Glenn County Schools are going to virtual learning. We already saw uh, McIntosh County Schools go to virtual learning. Right. It hasn't affected athletics yet, which is obviously our purview. <laughs> yeah. Where yeah. there have been some, there have been some, not cancellations, but some games rescheduled. But for the most part, like Ware County, they shut down schools for a while, but 
the athletics teams were allowed to keep competing. Glenn County schools, I can pull up the exact quote, but Glenn County schools go into distance learning, but they're going to allow band and athletics to keep going just with new mandates in place for those. So right. it just it seems like some decisions are being made, but obviously like last year we're going to have to be fluid Yeah, going absolutely. through this fall and winter. You're, you're, you're going to have to wake up and expect something new every, every yeah. time you do. I, I mean, that's, that's the only way to, to go about this. And uh, hopefully, as you said, uh, at, at the end of the day, we're, we're all trying to we're trying to curb this thing, and we're trying to stop it. Right. And uh, hopefully we, we stop seeing these numbers go up, and then we can uh, get truly get, get back to some, some more normalcy. But, yeah, not – if you really look into the, some of these decisions, not insanely surprising no, with some of them with the, with the state schools and things like I that. I haven't seen any of them where I was like, wow, shocking. Yeah, yeah exactly. So I think for the most part with LSU deciding what they're doing and with Georgia deciding what, what they're doing, I don't think either one of those surprised me. Right. So, I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll Segwaying from that to see NFL how news. that all works out. Yeah. Segwaying from that to NFL news. We already mentioned the Falcons signing Josh Rosen. Uh, he has shown up. He's already practiced with the Atlanta Falcons. The Rams uh, traded two conditional draft picks, I believe a conditional fifth and sixth, uh, to the New England Patriots for Sony Michelle. Something about those Georgia running backs and the Rams, man. Yeah. Todd Gurley, Todd Gurley getting it done out there for the Rams yeah. for all those years. Now they get Sony Michelle. You know who's coaching Sony Michelle out there? Uh, no idea. Thomas Brown. How about that? Former yeah. Georgia running back and former coach at Georgia. So uh, probably had some sway there. You think a little bit? Uh, I I don't know about the actual decision. He actually, but uh, I, I think he'll be happy he, about it. He for coached sure. Sony while Sony was at Georgia. Yeah. So no, I mean that's that's big for sure, and and uh, Sony Michelle too. I I think with. With New England, uh, the the only position they've really had a, a plethora of options at is at that running back spot. New England doesn't care about having a featured back. Like no, they, not exa- yeah. exactly. They they have a they have a lot of pretty good backs that they can rotate around it, and that's what they're gonna do. Um, so letting letting one go at the end of the day isn't isn't huge for them. Obviously, they, they get some compensation for him. No, as they, well, they have Damian Harris right now up there. They have a couple yeah. other guys they really like. Uh, is Rex Burkhead still? I'm not sure. Hanging if he around is. in New England. I'm not sure if he is. Um, I'm, I'm wondering if James White's still up there or not because oh, yeah. he, he's been obviously yeah. making huge plays for them for a while now. So As every Falcons fan remembers. Yeah, but I mean, I am looking forward to seeing what Sony does with with the Rams at the end of the day because like this is not a his production has decreased so we're letting him go kind of kind of right. thing. Very solid back. So him, Matt Stafford out there with the Rams now could be pretty exciting. And if you remember, I, I believe. Michelle, Sony Michelle was the one that gave the Patriots the Super Bowl over the Rams. Yeah, he's the only one who scored a touchdown. That in that game Super winning Bowl. touchdown. Yeah. yeah, he's the only one who scored a touchdown in that Super Bowl. Um, I'm trying to think. I, I know. Maybe they just had that like playing in, the, in their nightmares for the last few years. <laughs> so they're like, well, "What do you do with your enemies that just keep beating you? Yeah. Make, make them your friend, right? Yeah, bring, so, bring them in. Yeah, yeah, yeah them he'll probably here. he'll probably have to look at when Aaron Donald comes into the cafeteria when Sonny Michelle's in there for the first time. Yeah. Might be some words. Right. Mostly from Aaron Donald because if you if Aaron Donald talks to you, you don't talk back. Well, but you also, say, yes, like, sir. what does Sonny Michelle have to say? Like, yeah, you Just, get like, the, flash the... That's it. You, flash you, the ring. All I'm saying is if you won in a situation like that, you don't have to defend yourself when someone comes oh. at you, like, all mad because they lost or whatever. And that's what a lot no, of... No, situ- that's a, that's no, no. A, a you, lot you do of have to defend yourself life. when it's Aaron Donald because well, he'll end you. To that point, how do you defend yourself against Aaron Donald? You, you I, apologize. I don't, I don't think you do. You apologize. 
How can you apologize while you're still wearing the ring? I, I don't. You say I hate that I'm wearing this. <laughs> sure. It's the biggest mistake of my life, sir. See, then you're just. I would take that as more of an insult because now I know you're lying to me. I, I'm not of lying. Of course, I'm not Aaron Donald. I'm not lying. Like that Super Bowl was not worth the situation right now. <laughs> it is. I would not be lying. That is a scary human being. Uh, and also, talk about the least surprising news of the day. The Jacksonville Jaguars have named Trevor Lawrence as their starting quarterback. So, in a relief. What? Yeah. In a relief to Gardner Minshew's bowels, he can finally relieve himself. <laughs> All right. Um, well, in that case. The, do, do I have to explain the joke? No, I, I don't think you do. I, I'm trying to remember what it's from, though. No, I feel like I do. I feel like you're not the only one out there. Gardner Minshew at the beginning of this battle said he's so not okay with number two that he's not even using the toilet. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gardner. Not for sure. And I don't even think, like, the, if, if you want to extrapolate anything from this, I don't think Trevor Lawrence, quote-unquote, earned this starting job. I don't think his play, I mean, everything I've seen from practice, all the games that I've watched, his play hasn't been significantly better than any of the other quarterbacks. No. I just think it's yeah. if it's all even, Trevor Lawrence is a starting quarterback. Yeah. I, I do legitimately think if Gardner Minshew had come out and balled out and been really good and you would have given the Jaguars a chance to win some ball games and let Trevor Lawrence work through a few weeks of game prep, they would have probably given Gardner two or three weeks to start before handing it over to Trevor. But I just think everything was so even. Gardner didn't have a great preseason. Bether didn't have a great preseason. Lawrence didn't have a great preseason, and eventually, does that come back to the quarterbacks, or does that come down to the guy calling plays? I guess yeah. that's a whole other question, but yeah. I don't feel like Trevor Lawrence, quote-unquote, earned this starting job. I feel like it was just, if it's all even, we're going to go with the the name. It was it was given to him, for sure. I Obviously, we'll never know, because Minshew didn't go out there and, and ball out by any means. I, I somewhat disagree with your take there, uh, just because I, I, I don't think in, in any realm they, I don't know. I don't see you drafting Lawrence number one overall, and even if Minshew goes out there and balls out, you give Minshew the job. I think maybe if Minshew goes out there and balls out, that makes it more easy to trade him, and then you trade him and give Lawrence the job. But I don't know, man. You you draft a number one overall pick, and it's the future cornerstone of your franchise, and you have a shaky offensive line in front of them, and you can give you that like that for you sure. You can give that a couple of weeks to settle out, and and maybe win a couple of ball games there as well. I I think I think Urban Meyer, if he had it the way he really wanted it, obviously it's that Trevor Lawrence is amazing, and he can start day one, and he's going to be phenomenal. Yeah. But I think realistically, he was thinking if Gardner Minshew can come out here and give us something and show us something for a couple of games and just give me two game weeks right? to let Trevor Lawrence really get used to this and us to figure out the offensive line rotation versus, hey, let's go play the Texans. who They're not great, but, I mean, it's an NFL defensive line and we're still trying to figure out our offensive line, but let's go put our franchise quarterback out there and wish him luck. Yeah, uh, I don't know. I just you, you hear so many stories about the psyche of a quarterback, especially a new quarterback in the NFL, and that's where that would start to worry me. Like, you draft Trevor Lawrence no, number one overall. He thinks he's the guy. He thinks it's going to be his job. And then you bench him for a few weeks for, for Gardner Minshew. And then you try and bring him back in. What if those games don't go that well? Yeah. So then do you bench him again? or do, So, like, you start to get into that whole uh, that, No, once, that you, whole pu- once you put him in, you got to leave him, this, which, is why, yeah. which is why I thought maybe you start with Gardner for the first couple of games and then go Trevor because right. now, like you said, if he goes out there and he struggles, you're just going to have to eat it. 
and you're going to have to yeah. work through it week after week. Keep sending and them it, out. And it doesn't get easier than those first two games. No. I mean, you start with the Texans. Right. No, it's, it's not. Yeah. And C.J. Beathard, benching him for C.J. Beathard at this point, not Yeah, not that, would, that, that might hurt the old psyche. we got more yeah. to come here on second down, though. We'll be right back after this. Christian, Christian it, it's, it's okay, man. You don't have to be sad anymore. College football's back. No, this isn't sad music to it's me, this CJ. Week. This is this is hype music. Yeah, I know. It's just the beginning. It's it's the beginning. It's like this part of it is is the no, sad. No, this is this is gym music right here for me. Oh, absolutely. Once you get into it, yeah, yeah. for sure. Big show coming up today on Three and Out. The guys will be joined by Ben Ingram of the Braves. Oh, sorry. Hold on. All right. Exactly. Carry on. we got 20 seconds here. Ben Ingram of the Braves Radio Network coming up in the 3 o'clock hour. Going to catch up with Mark Bradley from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution uh, to talk about his latest column uh, around the ACC and the SEC. Then we'll be joined by former Georgia and NFL offensive lineman Chris Burnett in the 5 o'clock hour. Also in the 5 o'clock hour, D. Orlando Ledbetter from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution with the latest from the Atlanta Falcons. All that up next on 3 and Out. <laughs> 